0: Good morning, Glenkirk Church. Happy New Year. (laughs) I have to say I'm really impressed. I was kind of expecting like three people in the audience this morning, Um, but all of you got up this morning. You braved the cold and wet weather, so I'm really impressed and um, just grateful to be here this morning. So, Uh, New Year's always makes me think of New Year's resolutions and Um, Does anybody set New Year's resolutions? I have always set New Year's resolutions um, and notoriously always broken my New Year's resolutions. Um, But there is one, one year that I actually kept, and it was a very noble one. I made the New Year's resolution to make my bed every day for (laughs) a year. And actually, 365 days, I made my bed. I cannot say that I do it still, but I was pretty proud of myself at that moment that I actually kept a New Year's resolution. But if you don't have one, um, I have some possible suggestions. So first would be live your best life and only buy pants that have no buttons and no zippers. I've got a head start on that. Um, Stock up on fresh fruits and vegetables, but here's the caveat. Eat them before they turn into that green mystery goop in the back of your fridge. Carefully, this one I really need to do, carefully read all the directions on a box of food before throwing it away, so you don't have to go garbage diving midway through your hamburger helper. Stop making lists that include making more lists. I am definitely (laughs) one who does that. Um, Here is a really good one. Stop Googling your symptoms. Just don't do it. You will always have something far worse than what the doctor would actually say. Um, Actually put on a full outfit for Zoom calls, although business on top and pajamas on the bottom really never hurt anyone. And finally, get in shape. Let's choose whatever shape we want. I personally am choosing a very round shape this year. You can choose whatever shape you would like. Honestly though, a new year gives an opportunity for fresh starts. It gives you new motivation to work on things, to try to change things about yourself that you've wanted to change, It's an opportunity to light a fire under us. And I think the message of the passage that we have today is a great call for all of us to take up this new year. So, with that in mind, let's begin with prayer. Father God, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, would you speak through me? May it be your words. God, would you light a fire under us and show us ways that we can better serve you in this new year? We give you our morning. In your name I pray, amen. So today we are looking at a passage from the first chapter of the book of John. And this first chapter begins with these words, in the beginning was the word. It brings us back to the first pages of Genesis when God created the world. And the first act of God's in creation was the words, let there be light. This is also the message that we find in the pages of the book of John. Verses four through five of John one say this, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light shines in the darkness, it shines in our hearts, and it gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And light and life are not separated. The life of God is also the light of God. I start here because I think we first have to grasp that Jesus is the true light, That is the foundation behind our passage today. Jesus is the true light. There are not different varieties of light, there is one light. And it is that light that enables us to see things as they really are. That is the light of Christ. That's the foundation behind the passage that we're gonna look at today. But let's go ahead and look at it together. If you are willing and able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of scripture. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18 and verse 29. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. In verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "'Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.'" You may be seated. Our passage today starts with some of the most astounding words of Scripture. It's the words of Christmas. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is the central mystery that John is going to unfold in his gospel And here he states it with such simplicity, the word became flesh. These words should amaze us. He became flesh. Flesh stands for the whole person, their frailty and their vulnerability. Bruce Milne in his commentary says, he made our creaturely weakness his very own form of being. And he goes on to say, "'The incarnation is a supreme affirmation "'of the value of human existence. "'For all of our sin and fallenness, "'he abhors not the virgin's womb. "'Our human life truly was the vehicle for God's life. "'Our flesh contained the word. "'Our humanity was home for him who is forever.'" These words made his dwelling among us can also be translated that he tabernacled among us. And this tabernacling among us would again and again have given his disciples glimpses of his glory. But it's a glory that is completely transformed and redefined. It is a glory seen in humble obedience. Obedience to enter this world in a dirty, smelly manger. Obedience to death on a cross. Obedience through the humble washing of the dirty feet of the disciples. That is glory. All of this means that our God is not a remote, unknowable God. He is a God who speaks, He is a God who we can know. This should stagger our imagination. It should truly drive us to our knees in worship. And this is the wonder of Christmas which we just celebrated. That is the wonder and awe that I hope we step out from during this season of a new year. Our passage goes on to say that we received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law graciously spelled out the will of God for daily living, and knowing the will of God was definite undeniable grace. In fact, the Ten Commandments don't start with a condition, if you keep these commands, I'll be your God. Instead, they start with a statement of a prior gracious truth. I am the Lord, your God. Then it continues with these commands, and the motivation to keep them is because of the grace that's been already bestowed upon them. But here we learn that the grace of Jesus is even better because it forgives us when we fail to live as we should. That's what we celebrate here at this table of communion. This word John used here sometimes translated grace upon grace means that wherever you look, one side or the other, you will see glimpses and discover God's grace, his surprise love, It's there ahead of us. It speaks of something like a chain reaction of grace, grace becoming the opportunity for more grace. It's an unbroken series of grace gifts, one blessing after another. So let me recap where we are today. The light of the world came into the world to allow us to see things as they really are. The word became flesh Made his dwelling among us. What a radical, amazing truth. His coming into the world gave us grace upon grace. Wherever we look, we see the grace of the Lord. All of this is the message of Christmas. But what should this mean for us then today, on the other side of the manger? It means that we should practice the spiritual discipline of proclaiming, sharing, this amazing truth about what Christ has done for us. And I think we see an example of how to do that with John the Baptist. So our passage in verse 15 talked about John and how he testified about Christ. Why in the middle of this beautiful passage about who Christ is, what he's done for us, the grace he's given us is this little note about this fallible human witness, John the Baptist. That is because human witness is the great quest of the gospel. Human witness matters. And so I think we too can learn a lot from John the Baptist. And I have three main points about him that we're gonna look at today. He knew who he was not, he knew who he was, and he knew his message and shared it with boldness. First, John knew who he was not. Verses six through eight say this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. I love that it starts with this disclaimer. He is not the light. He's just a witness. The danger of sharing your faith of Christian witness is to think too highly of ourselves as if we are the point. John was always pointing to Christ. In fact, I have some images to share with you that are going to come on the screen. There are so many paintings of John the Baptist, but he is always pointing in them. He is pointing away from himself and pointing to Christ. That's what John the Baptist is known for. He's the pointer. And what a wonderful way to be known. I would love to be known for that. A person who points away from myself and toward the Lord. Right between the verses that we read today is this little section where John the Baptist is questioned by the Jewish leaders about who he really is. And it says that he confessed freely about who he was not. So he said three things. First, he said, He's not the Messiah. This is a great first thing for any witness of the gospel to boldly confess. We are not the Messiah. We have no saving power. We only point to the one who does. Secondly, they asked him if he was Elijah, and he says, no, he's not. Third, they asked if he's a prophet, and again, he says, no, he's not the Messiah, Elijah, or a prophet. But we might pause here to wonder, what about the fact that Jesus actually later says that John the Baptist is Elijah? There's a well-known prophecy that a second Elijah would come and prepare the way. Jesus, in Matthew 11, points to John the Baptist as that person. How do we reconcile these two things? Well, I think... First of all, it's very possible that John did not know that that's who he was. In fact, how true is it that we, as Christians, so often don't realize who we truly are in Jesus's eyes? In another sense, however, if he had identified himself as Elijah, there would have been a great deal of attention on him. When, as we see, he, his purpose is not to draw attention to himself, it's to point away from himself towards Jesus. So John knew who he was not, because ironically, often knowing who you're not helps you to really focus on who you are. So secondly, he knew who he was. He says three things again about himself in this passage. The first is that he is a voice. He points to Jesus in faithful witness, and he doesn't think of himself as a nobody. He honestly believes that he himself is the one called a voice, predicted in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. The second thing he knew is that he was a baptizer in water. He knew that if anything divine or significant came through his ministry of baptism, it was because God and God alone chose to use his ministry. And the last thing that he freely declares is that he is unworthy. This reminds us of the verse, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Dale Bruner points out that it's those who are overwhelmed with Christ who are undergirded by him. It is those who sense their unworthiness are exactly those who are credited with his worthiness. It is those who know themselves unworthy, who are divinely worthied. So John knew who he was not. He knew who he was, and he knew his message. John shared his message boldly. What was this message? We found it in verse 29, which we read, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Once again, we see John as the pointer, pointing to the Lamb of God. Look, he says. Now, when Dale Bruner translates this section, he leaves in all the definite articles, which makes it read a little awkward, but it helps us to see the emphasis here. Look, the Lamb of the God. The one who is taking away the sin of the world. Jesus is not one among many lambs, given by one of many gods, taking away a portion of sin from just some of the world. He is the one. He takes away the sin of the world, not sins Plural, sin. Singular, the sin. He rips out the root of sin, not just the effects, but the cause. This is the message of John, and it's the message that we should share as well, and share it boldly. This is removal of guilt. It's radical forgiveness. It is a message worth sharing. I heard a poem recently, and the last lines of it really stuck out to me. It's called Jesus of the Scars by Edward Shalito. And it ends with these words. The other gods were strong, but thou was weak. They rode, but thou did stumble to a throne. But to our wounds only God's wounds can speak, and not a god has wounds but thou alone. That is the good news. (laughs) That is our God. He is like no other. He is the lamb. No other God has scars as he has. So to conclude today, what do we learn from John the Baptist and how we too can share our faith boldly as he does? First, we learn to know who we are and second, to know who we are not. Maybe it's a good idea to sit and make a list of three things that you know you are not and three things you know you are. I am not the Messiah, but I am a precious child of God. And we learn to know our message, our amazing message of what God has done for us, We just came out of the wonder of Christmas. Let's commit to sharing with someone about it. So the beginning of John chapter one started with this disclaimer. John himself is not the light. He's a witness to the light. Strangely, however, we read in Matthew five, Jesus teaching these words to his followers. You are the light of the world. Is this a contradiction? Well, we need to not think too highly of ourselves. We are not the Messiah. But a second danger in Christian witness is to think too little of ourselves. Because in union with Christ, it is impossible to not shine light. In union with Christ, we are luminous. Like it says in Philippians chapter two, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. We shine brightly. And in doing so, I hope that we, like John the Baptist, can be pointers, pointing to the one who truly saves, the one who gave us this grace upon grace. Wherever we look, we see glimpses of his grace, And may others see the same as they look at us. So as we step into this new year, as we make resolutions and we're trying to work on things, have a fresh start, may we know who we are not. May we know who we are. And may we know this amazing message of truth and share it boldly as we point to Christ the word of God who made his dwelling among us. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that you came to this world and redefined glory. Lord, we long to also share this truth like John the Baptist did. I pray that you would give us the words and show us those who we need to share it with. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you do in our lives. We are so grateful for the light that you are and that we too can shine light. We're grateful for the grace upon grace that you've given us. May we share it with those around us. In your name I pray, amen.